Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with David Burkus, a leading author and the author of Leading from Anywhere. Welcome, David. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So th this is an interesting topic, Leading from Anywhere. Uh, it, it's really about remote work and managing remote teams. And David, I, I'm familiar with uh, previous works of yours. You wrote a book called Friend of a Friend, and that was about developing a professional network. And as you know, this podcast is all about business development. And as you can imagine, and as you probably know from your research, doing business development in a virtual environment has its challenges, right? You're not out at the rubber chicken circuit anymore meeting people. You've got to find more creative ways to do this. So let's talk about what you've learned about remote work as it pertains to this type of work. Yeah, I mean, uh, new challenges is sort of the understatement of the, I guess, I guess we're in a new decade, right? So I can say it's the understatement of, of, the, of the decade here. Um, I think the relationship element becomes um, one of the hardest factors, but also has one of the most um, sort of opportunities for potential. I, I don't know if you remember this, but early on in the, in the pandemic, the, the remote way of doing this was just, let's get everybody on Zoom, right? And we invited people to Zoom happy hours and Zoom dinners, and we all got a little too hungover from, from Zoom that happy hours. That was too much. Yeah. Right, right, exactly right. And because it fell from the same, um, I think, misconception that a lot of people have about networking and, and also about leading, leading teams, is that if you just create the space, the collisions sort of happen, right? I mean, how many networking events have you ever been to where people are just sort of mingling? There's no structure, there's no deliberate way to get people connected, et cetera. Um, and, and it's the same in a, in a remote team. We, we relied on an office environment to let smooth things over, smooth over disagreements, smooth over collaboration, et cetera. And in a remote team, we don't have that. And just asking everybody on Zoom doesn't solve that. It takes starting with, I mean, the number one thing I tell team leaders to do is focus on a team working agreement, which is an actual physical document, you know, a Google Doc or something like that, that everybody sees and everybody co-creates that says, uh, what are what are reasonable amounts of time to wait for a reply to an email? When do we want to use Zoom versus Slack versus project management software? How do we want to keep each other updated on projects? How do we want to make requests for help? All of that gets put into kind of a user guide to running the team because we have to have those deliberate conversations. We can't smooth things over with just a quick hallway conversation and that sort of stuff anywhere. And, and I've always been a fan of that. That was, it was, I mean, we connected, I think, through Friend of a Friend, which is a book about having a very deliberate strategy to connecting with people. Um, that's more important in this remote, remote environment, not less so. But the interesting thing is the people who how, are deliberate so, about so you know that. How it works remotely, but what are you seeing out there? I mean, you've talked to a lot of people about this. What are you seeing people doing to to expand their professional network? Yeah, so the, the number one thing I, I advise people to do even before the pandemic was to be focusing on what we call weak and dormant ties, the people you know, but you don't know that well. And and those are the people that are that are really thriving even in this. Like, I, I, you remember this? So there was a time where you'd say that, but people wouldn't take your advice unless they were looking to, again, they were in biz dev and looking to find leads or they were looking for a new job. And so anytime you reconnected with someone you hadn't talked to in like 12 months, they almost assumed you had an agenda, right? Like, what are you actually trying to sell me? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the amazing thing is in this time, in the crazy sort of pandemic that we're in, there's never been a better time to send a simple message. Like I was thinking about you today and how you might be holding up in all of this madness. Um, no reply needed. I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you and I hope you're well. Those little things actually be jumping off points for conversations more than the I'm going to organize my own Zoom dinner and have 12 people there and whatever. Right. So those little check ins, that's really sort of the number one 
um, strategy I'm seeing for people that are are maintaining their networks and then also growing their networks because in those conversations, that's when you can um, ask seed questions about who else might be potential, right? So this was also in friend of a friend, but it worked. These two questions work hand in hand, right? The first is checking in on people. The second is the who do you know in blank question. Here's what I'm doing right now, et cetera. Does that sound like a problem anyone you know is having, right? Which is my my sales biz dev question that I, I like more is don't say to you, are you looking for someone who could buy a car? Say you're looking for anybody that's just expended into a new family, right? Uh, because they probably need to change from their smaller car to their larger car. So they're in a problem that we can solve. So those two, two strategies, right? Reconnecting the weak and dormant ties. And then in the process of that conversation, asking the network expansion question works a whole lot better than what most people did, which to be fair, most people are doing nothing. And then a very few amount of people are just trying to replicate in a real uh, in a virtual scenario, what they used to do in the real world scenario, which is crash networking events and conferences and shake hands and go to the, uh, you call them the rubber chicken dinners, right? And, yeah. and do all that. so that's not gonna, that doesn't work anymore. It's much more one-on-one, -on -one, but there's never been a better opportunity to do that because we're all, we're all living through the same experience. So checking in on people for how they're doing that has never been more effective. You know, what I have experienced during, during this whole COVID situation is it, it has been overwhelming because I, I have, I did a lot of the things that you talk about in your previous book, Friend of a Friend, uh, in my life, and I've built a massive professional network. And then what happens is people that haven't done that, and they're desperate, and they need to get to people who have networks, they all end up in mm -hmm. my inbox. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's been overwhelming, because, you know, I, at first, I was like, energized by it, but then it just went on and on and on. And then it just became overwhelming. And so, I'm actually trying to come up with software tools to, to manage that communications flow because it's it's so so much. And so, and I've seen the opposite. I've talked to people who have reached out, like, like you're talking about, and they're sitting around with nothing to do. You know, their, their business yeah. is dried up. And I'm like, man, like, how can how can you be be doing that? Like, I get invited to like 100 online, you know, meetings for all these things. And, and I, I just have to turn most of them down. I can't do them anymore. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah, sorry to go on and on, but but that's that's been my that's been my experience. I'm actually hoping people get away from their uh, keyboards, and get get back out again, so they you know it slows down because it's been overwhelming. Well, I mean, I suppose it's a good problem to problem to have, and it. I, I will tell you, I was reading a study maybe uh, a week ago that really really fascinating. It, it tracked people's networks. So there's a bunch of different ways that that um, network scientists study. Um, networks. One of them is on the personal level, studying how many people you know. And it's a simple, like, it, it's, a, it's a question like, I'll ask how many people do you know named Philip? How many people do you know named Elizabeth, right? And little stuff like that. And based on what we know about, you know, databases of birth records and all that, and how many people are out there, you can actually make pretty decent estimates on how many contacts someone has. And so they did it, they, they did it in just coincidentally, a couple of researchers did it in January, setting up for a study, no idea a pandemic was happening, but then it did. So they circled back with that same database in June of 2020. So six months later, three of which were, you know, cr the world ended basically. And they found that the average uh, network shrunk by 25 to 30%. But here's what I think was really interesting. That shrinkage was almost entirely driven by males. Because when the, the, the researcher's theory was that women have always tended to focus on conversation, on getting to know someone, on, on building a real relationship, and men have tended to focus on the event and doing something mm -hmm. alongside other people, et cetera. Um, so if, if your whole focus before was going to the events and not taking the time um, to, get to, to get to know people and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, et cetera, it, it, it's 
perfectly obvious why the network has sort of shrunk and why you feel like you're you're doing nothing. And then ironically, you know, what we were talking about at the top, that doesn't scale into Zoom all that well. You can't recreate the 12-person dinner on Zoom in a way that is, I mean, I've seen some people do it well, but it's really difficult compared to what used to be a tactic, even for professional networks, right? Inviting a bunch of different prospects to dinner together, et cetera, those, those sort of strategies, they don't replicate as well in this virtual environment. And so we we have to we have to take the time to have those longer conversations, those check-in conversations, the one-on-ones. And it's funny, we talk about this in front of a friend, those conversations build what's often known as multiplexity, which is once you get to know someone in multiple different contexts, you understand their profession, but you also understand their their background. You understand, you find that you have shared things in common, like you're both uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans, all two of those fans that are in existence, right? Um, oh, that's a mean slam. I apologize. Yeah. But you, you, find those, you find those... <laughs> you find those little things in common with people, you build a deeper relationship um, because you have multiple contexts for connection, which means you have more reasons to reconnect with them over stuff that's not even business related, but it keeps everybody in touch. So it's been really interesting to see at the at the 30,000 foot level uh, from the data, what's been happening over the last year. And it's primarily driven by that. Are you taking the time to engage uh, with people and have those longer conversations? Or was your approach always activities based? Because that's not really going to work until I, I actually, I don't even know at this point how long, how long we're going to be in this situation. So, yeah, well, that's my next question. David Burke is back to leading from anywhere. What do you see going forward? I mean, certainly we can't stay in this mode forever. And, and so how do we transition and what does that transition look like a year from now? Are we still going to be doing zoom calls or are we going to get rid of that? Yeah, I don't know that we're never we're never not going to be doing Zoom calls. I, I in terms of a timeline, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. Right? Uh, my wife is a, is an actual medical doctor. You could you could ask her, but even then, it's sort of like who knows. Um, I can tell you, we'll go through phases, right? And so the first phase will be you know, reopening office spaces, having people collaborate, et cetera. Not, not small spaces. Conferences will likely not be back in that phase, right? But people will start experimenting. The people who are younger or who uh, feel like they're not at risk, the people who are already vaccinated, et cetera, will start coming back into that. And that might be a return to one-on-one calls with people, right? I mean, and I say calls, meaning you know, sit down for lunch, grab coffee, et cetera. But one-on-one meetings uh, with prospects and things like that it will be in that phase, right? Uh, the second phase will be the smaller sort of more regional conferences, 150, 200 people. I, personally, I'm hoping that this is late 2021 or early 2022, but I have no idea, right? But that'll be that sort of next phase. And I think, I honestly think we're we're still uh, 12 months or longer away from the big events, the ones where it was almost worth, um, it, it was almost worth buying exhibit spaces and that sort of stuff. And I actually have no idea what that industry is going to do because- right over the next 12 months until we get back to that phase. So if I'm even thinking about as we get back to being able to meet in person, et cetera, I'm still going to be focused on one-on-one or smaller meetings. And then I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be focused on re-engaged in whatever relevant local chapters of professional associations and things like that uh, for Mm -hmm. me are, because those are going to be open and reconnecting sooner than these, than these larger events. But we're also always going to be in that Zoom scenario. The, the data on employee engagement was actually pre-pandemic was really clear that the employees who always scored the highest in employee engagement were actually out of the office 40 to 60% of the time. And so if you're sending 100 million people in the United States alone to work remotely for 12 months, don't expect all of them to come back. Expect most of them to want to do that 40 or 60% of their time somewhere other than the office. And so we have to adjust to that work from anywhere world as well. 
I, I completely agree. And prior to the pandemic, I was working from home Mondays and Fridays. And so when it, when we switched, I was, it, it was already a natural thing for me. I, I just had to pivot other, the other three days, whereas other people who didn't do this, they struggled because they weren't, you know, they didn't know how to use zoom. They didn't know how to do, do the things that I was already accustomed to doing. And I don't know if you yeah. saw that in, in your, in your studies as well, that people who already had a work from home strategy where they able to thrive in this environment better than the people who are accustomed to going into the office and doing it, doing it the old fashioned way. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So we, we see it, we saw it even in, in pre pandemic data that on average, it took about four to six months when somebody starts working hybrid or working fully remote before they find their new boundaries, before they find their new way to integrate work and life, uh, before they find the new productivity habits, et cetera. And, and we all sort of lived through that, right? Mark, I mean, we, we all thought we'd be doing this for two weeks in, in March, right? And then by April or May, people were burnt out, which is exactly what happens for everybody. We just did it kind of globally because remote workers actually work too hard. They work too long uh, until they establish those boundaries. Um, and, then, and then they get it functional. So the people who were already semi-hybrid or who are already fully remote, they've already lived through that period of adjustment. And so this was just, oh, what's the big deal, right? Like, I, I mean, I, I've been working uh, remotely most of my career. I was in uh, pharmaceutical sales before I went back to grad school and studied org psychology. Even when I was a professor, when I was a quote unquote full-time professor, I still demanded that I had Tuesdays and Thursdays from my home office so that I could focus on writing. Um, and so I've always been in that environment. And so to me, it was like, hey, there's more people who know what Zoom is, right? That was that was all that really, that really happened for me. Um, at the same time, though, again, there'll be an adjustment back, but we're going to, I think we're going to be in situations where we're, all, we're always in sort of Zoom meetings. If you're thinking about companies that have large campuses, um, why, why spend 30 minutes getting across the campus when you can just schedule it as a Zoom meeting instead and everybody can take it from their desk, right? So there's, there's a lot of things that we learned over the last year. Um, even if we're working in an office environment that will continue on. And so we better get used to. So David, I, I always like to, if I have time at the last question, address it for the students that listen. I, I've got a lot of young people who listen to this podcast and I'd like to get your advice to them. I mean, I, my son had to come out and get a job in this and, and he did it remotely. It was not easy. My daughter yeah. did an internship remotely. What recommendation do you have for, for the young people listening to this? Yeah. So my pre-pandemic, my biggest piece of advice for students was always to what I call seek out silos in friend of a friend, which is people gather. We know this, right? Professionals know this, that there's the trade association, there's the local chapter, there's even just impromptu meetings, et cetera. There are watering holes that people circulate around annually, quarterly, monthly, whatever. And you should find those for whatever industry you want to get into. But what happened over the last 12 months is all of those went online, but they they, all of them had different platforms depending on it, right? Some turned into virtual conferences, uh, some turned into Facebook or LinkedIn groups, some turned into hashtags where the discussion happened on Twitter, et cetera. But find where that digital conversation is going on for people in the industry that you're in and work your way into that engaging in that conversation. And you're gonna have a much easier time turning those people into weak ties, building on those weak ties into deep relationships, letting those relationships lead you to a job than the people who are just focused on school or focused on Zoom school, graduate out and then start their search now, right? Um, because they don't have any of those connections, any of those contacts. So the, the strategy is still the same. Find the places where people who do what you want to do gather, but now they're gathering online. David Burkus, author of Leading From Anywhere. Great advice. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to Brain Makers with Carl Grant.